Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Ann Speckhardt will join us to discuss the marijuana and brain changes. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. the Grok's Science Show. Well, a recent study has been conducted and showed a relationship between casual use of marijuana and brain changes. This is being linked to chronic and long-term changes in the brain, something that of course is of great concern to American public. And joining us to discuss this issue is Dr. Anne Speckhard. Dr. Speckhard is a world-renowned expert on counterterrorism, an adjunct associate professor of psychiatry at Georgetown University Medical School, expert on PTSD and other disorders, and has written several books, including Talking to Terrorists. And she joins us today to discuss this very fascinating issue. Uh, Dr. Speckhard, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok's Science Show. You're welcome. Nice to talk with you, Charles. Uh, certainly a pleasure to have you on the program. Certainly uh, an interesting study that's just been released, and I'm curious uh, if you can tell us a little bit about this. Brain ab- abnormalities have been linked to uh, marijuana use? Right. For me, I'm very concerned about this study and the way it's being reported in the press because uh, the jury's still out on whether marijuana causes uh, brain abnorm- or abnormalities. The study itself was uh, 40 students. 20 of them were moderate users of marijuana, and 20 uh, never used or, or ha- had been an occasional user. Um, I, I wonder about both those categories because people tend to underestimate, and I would be more comfortable if the other, the control group, uh, was a definitely never used. But they, they compared the brains of both groups. They didn't look at before they started smoking marijuana and after they started smoking smoking marijuana. So they really can't tell um, if there's any change in the brain linked to marijuana use. But they could tell between this very small sample, 20, 20 students that claim they, they didn't use and 20 that moderately used, that the ones that moderately used uh, had differences, which they're calling abnormalities, in um, two parts of their brain. And the heavy users had uh, more dramatic differences. And so it it would certainly lead one to ask, does marijuana cause this? But there's an equal hypothesis that could be, um, do these differences in the brain lead one to seek to use a substance moderately or heavily. And I'm a trauma expert. I'm an expert in post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's a lot of evidence that uh, brain changes occur after uh, traumatic exposure and with the onset of PTSD in both the amygdala and the hippocampus. And we've certainly seen that people that have PTSD seek out substances to try to calm themselves down, to escape flashbacks, 
to sleep through the night. And we even know that uh, some veterans now are being treated by doctors with medical marijuana to help them sleep through the night if they have PTSD. So for me, it's a chicken and egg when we look at this particular study. Uh, There's no way of knowing are these people that are seeking out marijuana because they have these brain changes and and they may have a need of a substance or, or a need of treatment of some sort. And people with PTSD oftentimes self-treat with alcohol, with drugs, and so on. But we certainly don't know that marijuana caused it. So if the uh, latter hypothesis, the one you're talking about, is true, have there been studies looking at individuals who have these particular changes in the brain to see if they have a greater propensity for, for marijuana use? Well, there I have to admit to you that I'm not a neuroscientist and that this is not um, my main field of study. But I was asked to comment on it, and uh, I, I looked at the study, and that's what I can tell you, that it's, it's not a study that we can make these kind of conclusions from. It, it's only 40 people. The control group is problematic. And if you want to know what does marijuana do to your brain, you should uh, be doing a longitudinal study. You should be picking up kids that never smoked and uh, measuring them over time, And for the ones that start smoking, uh, looking at um, what other things have been going on in their lives and how their brains, um, if there's any brain change. And if you saw a brain change in direct relationship to smoking marijuana, then you could say uh, casual to moderate use of marijuana causes brain changes. But from this study of 40 people, you can't say that. And it's being reported all over the news as a bit of a scare. And that's bad science. And and we do also have to look at, you know, what are what are really the big issues with marijuana and um, its alternative for young kids, which is alcohol. And we know that there's a lot of problems with alcohol. They're they're well documented. And um, as far as I know, that uh, overdosing with marijuana is rare and non-existent. Where kids on college campuses overdose with alcohol. Uh, at a quite alarming rate. And um, I can tell you from my experience living in Belgium where marijuana was decriminalized, I watched uh, students choose one or the other drug, alcohol, or or marijuana. And the ones that smoked marijuana uh, were more calm. Uh, They didn't uh, get into the belligerent, acting out, crazy things that people do when they're drinking too much. Um, Although I I did um, interview just informally, many of the students that were using marijuana because I was curious about it. And some of the students told me that they uh, quit drinking, uh, quit using marijuana because they became paranoid. So just anecdotally, they were telling me that that was a, uh, a risk factor for using marijuana. And that's worrisome. And I also definitely saw people that had trauma histories that told me that they were using marijuana to calm themselves and that it was effective. I mean, it is a drug. Yes. Uh, Well, it's certainly an issue that's risen to the fore in uh, American public life. Well, I wouldn't use this study as a reason to reconsider it. Um, If we get a larger sample, and especially if we get a longitudinal study and we see these brain changes, um, then we should certainly think about uh, young kids using. But young kids using substances of any type uh, can be an issue because their brains are still forming. And, you know, if, if you're using 
on a habitual um, basis any drug, alcohol or marijuana, um, it's changing your behavior, it's changing your development, and probably uh, we're going to see something in the brain that uh, mirrors that. So no matter what, whether it's legal, decriminalized, or um, illegal, uh, young children should be cautious and their parents should be cautious about their, their use of any substance. And I would tell you my concerns are much more for kids about the discrepancy in in the laws across the United States right now. I mean, kids can be going to school in in one state where marijuana is perfectly um, acceptable and decriminalized or legal, and uh, they might not know that they can't get it on the airplane and fly home to see their parents uh, with a joint in their possession. If they get stopped, they are violating a federal law. If they end up in a state like where I live in Virginia, it's a criminal offense to be carrying marijuana. I think that that is as serious, that uh, kids can get caught up in this um, morass of laws that uh, change from state to state and and across federal boundaries. We need to clear that up and and come up with something that's coherent so that we can speak to our teenagers and and college-age kids in a in a coherent way about um, if you're going to use this drug, um, here's when it's legal, here's when it's not legal. And um, and as we learn more, when it may be calming and soothing and, and have some medicinal value, any substance that's not used in moderation is probably not good for you. It's really sending a mixed message. It's a very confused message. I, I've been living out of the country for the last 13 years, and seven of them were in Belgium where it was decriminalized. For me, it's very confusing as an adult. Uh, I, I don't happen to use marijuana, but you know, just the idea that you could use it in one state and have it in your possession and get arrested in the next state. I mean, we cross state lines without any thought, right? You know, we don't, there's not a border that we, that we cross and you know, have to show a passport. So you know, you, you, it might not be in your consciousness that the laws are very different from state to state. And I'm speaking from the experience of adulthood. How about for young kids to get a criminal record because you had marijuana on you? I think that's that's very sad. So your expertise in general, though, is trauma and written quite a bit on terrorism. I'm curious uh, how uh, these issues relate. Well, I looked up the study because my publicist asked me to. And uh, but I but I am uh, fascinated with the use of med- med- medicinal marijuana because there's more and more reports of it being used with people that have PTSD. Um, I've seen some reports of marijuana use uh, for kids with autism, uh, for kids that uh, um, with very um, severe Ashburgers, and I'm fascinated with it. This is a, a herb that we really need to study and learn what it can do and how it can be useful instead of being so afraid of it. And the truth is, um, I don't know what the numbers are, but you know, nowadays it's become very acceptable among youth to use it, and and probably among very, many adults as well. So it's not going away. So we might as well learn. But I don't think we should have these alarmist newscasts that say uh, your brain may change from casual use. We don't know that. Go back to trauma and terrorism. I can tell you that um, I've certainly seen trauma as a um, individual vulnerability 
for people to get involved in terrorism. And it and it goes together like this. When a person's in a lot of pain from from PTSD, if they've seen, um, if they live in a war zone, if they've seen killing, even if they've secondarily viewed it over the Internet and gotten uh, emotionally involved in it, and they're in a lot of pain, they're looking for a way, uh, a narrative to explain it to themselves and, uh, and a way to get away from their pain. And here we're talking about marijuana is one escape. Uh, the best escape is to is to grieve and work through whatever traumas you have in your life. Um, but terror groups also take advantage of traumatized individuals. They come to them with an ideology that says, here's the answer, engage in violence, you can change the world. And um, if they're in enough pain that they want to check out of this life, they offer them the means to do so in, in a way that, according to their ideology, glorifies it. And and I oftentimes refer to that as a psychological first aid of a very short order. Um, well, we are running slightly out of time. I'm curious if you just maybe have some uh, final words regarding this issue of marijuana use and changes to the brain. Well, what we can say is that the jury is out. We need we need uh, large scale longitudinal studies to learn how marijuana functions in the body and makes changes for good and possibly not for good in the body. We don't know if these uh, so-called brain abnormalities were caused by marijuana in a sample of only 20 people who we didn't study long-term, and we don't know if they are negative uh, changes. It may be that people with those types of brains are naturally drawn to marijuana smoking. And uh, so the jury's out. We need better studies. The best thing to do to calm yourself is uh, to practice some form of mindfulness, uh, get in charge of your thoughts and calm yourself through meditation and uh, relationships and working through your issues without any substances at all. But if a person's finding that they need to turn to a substance, do it in moderation. All right, we were just talking to uh, Dr. Ann Speckhardt. Again, Dr. Speckhardt is an adjunct associate professor of psychiatry at Georgetown University Medical School and author of the book Talking to Terrorists. And uh, Dr. Speckhardt, I want to thank you again for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. You're welcome. And you were just listening to Dr. Ann Speckhardt discussing the marijuana and brain changes. This is the Grok's Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000, so stay tuned. Here we come, walk down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around, but we're too busy singing to put anybody down. We go where we want to, do what we like to do. We don't have time to get restless There's always something new Hey, hey, we're the monkeys And people say we monkey around But we're too busy singing To put anybody down We're just trying to be friendly Come and watch us sing and play We're the young generation And we've got something to say Or anywhere 
Just look over your shoulder Guess who'll be standing there Hey, hey, we're the monkeys And people say we monkey around But we're too busy singing To put anybody down Welcome back to the Grok Science Show. It's time to play our game, the Grokatron 5000. That's right, it's our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. And today the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, high as a kite or riding low. So for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they are typically riding high as a kite or uh, perhaps a little more grounded and a little reason why. Dr. Speckhart, are you ready to play the game? Yes, I am. Okay, here we go. Person number one, high as a kite or riding low. It's the actor Charlie Sheen. Oh, geez, I don't follow uh, movie stars very much, so I couldn't comment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, I have no fun. Uh, that, well, that trumps most of our list, then. We'll, we'll go on, though. <laughs> number I two. could ask my kids. <laughs> All right, we'll see. How about, how about number two, Martha Stewart? Martha Stewart? She's probably pretty grounded. Okay. Number three, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga? I don't follow her, but I would say she's probably got to be pretty grounded to uh, have created such a creative empire. I, I doubt that she could be uh, flying too high and uh, created what she create, created. But who knows? And, and I don't follow her, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Bill Gates. Oh, now this is an interesting one because he's out on the West Coast. He's probably both. He's probably really grounded and flying high on what he made and what he's doing with it and the excitement of giving back. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he feels perfectly comfortable with smoking up once in a while. Uh, well, with that much money, I, I think he can do whatever he wants. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's also in that West Coast you know, atmosphere right. where it's, you know, pretty accepted. Right, right. Okay, and finally, number five, uh, it's the former president, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Okay. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Isn't he, uh, I didn't inhale? Probably, since he's watched so carefully, he's probably grounded. <laughs> but uh, he's an extremely smart man. I've had the opportunity to talk with him in person, and he is extremely smart. He's the type of person that could answer all your questions here. But does he inhale now? I don't know. If he gets the <laughs> opportunity to smoke up, I bet he does inhale. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure he would not admit that uh, on the record. So. <laughs> well, he might. Now he might. Those what does he have to lose? Yeah, well, although maybe for Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dr. Specker, I want to thank you again uh, playing our game and, uh, again, talking about this uh, really fascinating issue. Uh, again, Dr. Speckhart is Adjunct Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Georgetown University uh, Medical School and author of the book Talking to Terrorists. Uh, Dr. Speckhart, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. 
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.